0: Okay, can you talk into it? I say, "There's this more." More podcast. This. What up, what up, my podcast family? It's the "There's More" podcast. This is Hannah Nitz, introduced by my two-year-old Harvey Nitz. Friends, so glad you joined today. The There's More podcast is here because I want you to know that there's more. I've been a Christian my whole life and functioned most of my life believing that I had all there was to God. I was in church. I was serving. I was doing. I was Bible studying. And man, I just didn't know there was more. This personal, engaging relationship that is better than the best, y'all. So that's what we talk about every week. Today's topic, idolatry. Sounds cheery, doesn't it? So uh, I was reading through 1 Corinthians, ran into this word, and I couldn't get away from it. So here we go. How do you start a podcast episode about idolatry? (laughs) Things you probably can't Google. I I don't really know how to start a podcast about idolatry. I've heard the word idolatry before. I'll start with that. I'm guessing you have too. I know that it's in the Ten Commandments. Something about do not commit idolatry. Uh man, I mean, I know there are stories in the Bible where idolatry causes a big problem. Like if I would have taken a test on it, I would have been like, is idolatry good or bad? I knew it was bad. I know I knew it like vaguely meant not worshipping like other gods, or worshiping something other than God. But honestly, never once in my 32 years of life, it is my birthday this week, by the way, happy birthday, never have I thought about this word when it comes to my personal relationship with God. You know, if you think about like a burning bush, (laughs) You're like, oh yeah, there's a story in the Old Testament where there's a burning bush that like God talks to someone in. Like, you know it's in the Bible. You know, okay, so in some way, shape, or form this matters to God, but you don't think about it personally. That's how I viewed ideology. I knew it was a concept. I knew it was in the Bible, but that ain't about me, right? And I don't know if you do this, but I have been guilty over the last decade as an adult of when I see something in the Bible, either a verse or a concept that I don't fully get, or I definitely am like, this isn't about me. I literally say, this doesn't apply to me. And I just keep reading because I'm looking for like the nugget in the chapter that applies to me. So again, this was what I was like with idolatry. It was a weird old word. It was a problem in the Old Testament. But surely a sophisticated, church-going, Christian girl in 2020 <laughs> doesn't have to worry about idolatry, right? So, with this setup, I was very surprised. I've been reading through 1 Corinthians I think my last couple podcast episodes, I've kind of mentioned different things from 1 Corinthians that I've been learning and God's been blowing my mind with. So when I got to 1 Corinthians 10 and it talked so much about idolatry, I was just super shocked that this was a concept in the New Testament and that this whole chapter was looking back to the Old Testament And saying that this was written down as an example for us. So as I'm reading this, all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay. Idolatry apparently is something that needs to be on my radar. And is not just this like story in the Old Testament like a burning bush. It is a practical, applicable thing that God wants me to care about today. Okay, so let me read some of this from 1 Corinthians 10. The first 14 verses... Uh, are really good for this. I'm just gonna kind of skim through some of these. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, uh, the in the book of First Corinthians 10. He says, "I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, were all baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea, and all ate the spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink." I'll get back to what that means in a minute because it's amazing. For they all drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, nevertheless, or the list. All right, buckle up. Here's an intense sentence. With most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So that should just put a little flag up. Okay, something about this made God not pleased. That's a big deal. All right, I'll keep reading. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So it goes on and it says, These things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he can stand take heed so he doesn't fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. All right. So there's a whole chapter right here in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians where Paul is saying idolatry is a big deal. You've heard these stories in the Old Testament. God was not pleased with his chosen people because of the issue of idolatry. And this was written down for your instruction, church. Flee from idolatry. An alternative title, possibly, to this episode could be, Turns out the Old Testament Talks About You. (laughs) Or, apparently... The whole Bible is actually about Jesus, man. I've heard this forever. Like growing up in the church, I've heard people say like the whole Bible points to Christ, and you know it's important to read the Old Testament because the whole Bible tells the story of Jesus. Now, maybe you, as you've read the Bible, as you've engaged in church, you've had a better concept of what that mean of what that meant, or you could practically describe what that meant. I could not I heard this all the time I would have said yes I would on a true or false on a test I would have said true the whole bible's about Jesus but if you would have asked me tell me some examples in the old testament that point to Jesus I could have read you like three or four prophecies that like say a savior is coming that verse that everyone reads around Christmas time you know about like the king being born I mean I I could have found some of those things but There's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that I have no idea what what it's about and no idea why it's there. And if I'm being honest, I would say a lot of these stories like this one of like, okay, we're reflecting on the Israelites being lost in the wilderness and committing idolatry. How in the world is this about Jesus and how in the world, why does this matter? So I can't say that I have discovered and understood all of the answers to that, but What I can tell you is, as I've been spending more time reading my Bible, I've talked before about how much cross-references have been lighting up God's Word for me, which are these tiny verses at the bottom of your Bible for every verse you read. So, for example, if you're reading 1 Corinthians 10, when you look way at the bottom in that tiny font, it says Psalm 106. Which is telling me, if I want to better understand what this Bible verse is talking about, here are other places in the Bible where this concept is described, where the story is. Like, follow the Bible bouncing trail. So, I go to Psalm 106. Buckle up. We're going to get there. But this idea of cross-references has really helped connect the Bible to me. Like, wow, when I'm reading this in Hebrews... And this cross-reference takes me to Leviticus. All of a sudden, I see how this passage was talking about the redemption story of Jesus before Jesus was even around, 700 years (laughs) before, you know? Okay, so here's the deal. As I've been doing this more and more, just a piece to kind of throw into this, you know, very light conversation on idolatry is an important thing to understand throughout the Bible is there is a central theme of redemption in the whole Bible, okay? So in the Old Testament, God's chosen people, the Israelites, were taken from slavery to freedom. So the thing that they are always encouraged to look back on, to celebrate, and to view their life and lens through is their exodus from Egypt, God took them from slavery to freedom. Now, the reason it's important to understand that is, let's go back to this passage in 1 Corinthians 10, those first couple verses that are setting up why idolatry was such a big deal. This is what it's saying. It's saying, hey, our fathers were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, were all baptized into Moses. They drank the same spiritual food and spiritual drink, Uh, The rock that followed them, the rock was Christ. Okay. Again, sounds weird, but when you read into it, you look at all these cross references. Why is it saying they were baptized through Moses? Man, this is getting on a whole trail, but I'm obsessed with the trail. (laughs) I'm obsessed with the trail, so I hope you're following me. Okay. Old Testament, slavery to freedom, redemption, right? God moved them from Egypt through... Moses. So Moses led the people from slavery to freedom. Literally, as they passed through the Red Sea, it used this phrase in 1 Corinthians 10 that says they were baptized into Moses through the sea. Okay? Like, are you hearing some analogies here to the New Testament? Moving from slavery to freedom, from God's chosen person, Moses, and they're, they're m- giving this metaphor of, as they're going through the Red Sea, this baptism. Like, okay, what? Like, that is crazy. Because think about it, guys, in the New Testament, right? We, as believers, went from the sin of slavery to freedom. The Bible says that we are slaves to sin. And that through the gift of Jesus... He leads us from slavery to freedom in the story of the gospel. So when you see anything in the Old Testament or even like this example in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, where they're saying like the lens that we view this through, the story of redemption in the Old Testament, God is saying, remember what I did. Remember that I moved you from slavery to freedom. Remember the exodus from Egypt. As we interact with God now, he's saying, remember what I did. Remember, sweet friend, that you were a slave to sin and that I moved you to freedom through Jesus on the cross. It is the same story of redemption. Man, and I know I mentioned Psalm 106 as a great cross-reference to this passage in 1 Corinthians 10. Psalm 106, 23 said that God wanted to destroy his people because of idolatry because of their sin of worshiping other things before God but Psalm 106 verse 23 said had not Moses his chosen one stood in the breach before him to turn away God's wrath from destroying them again do you hear the metaphor do you hear the reflection from the old testament to the new testament God's wrath wanted to destroy the people for what they had done. But Moses, the chosen one, stood in the gap before him, turned away God's wrath and said, I will lead them into freedom, which which brought was brought out by God's love for his people. In the New Testament, this is what Jesus did. Okay, so are you seeing this? It's a big deal. Are you seeing the connection here? And the reason I'm going on and on about this is because the Bible is dope, all right? Like, (laughs) you need to get into it more. I need to get into it more. Like, you read an old word like idolatry and you think this doesn't apply to me and then all of a sudden you start going on these rabbit trails and you're like, word to your mother. Okay, so let's get back to this concept in 1 Corinthians 10. It's saying flee from idolatry. That was in verse 14, because idolatry caused God to literally want to destroy his people. Like He was not pleased with their idolatry. This is a big deal to God then, and it is now. So let's go to this cross-reference in Psalm 106 that talks more about what uh, the Israelites did, what God's people did, and why it was such a big deal. So I recommend just all of Psalm 106 the whole thing. All right. It's 48 verses. (laughs) Go read it. But let me just read some of these verses that are, again, telling the story that Paul is referring to in 1 Corinthians 10. So verse 7, our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works, God. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. They rebelled by the sea yet he saved them for his name's sake that he may make known his mighty power he rebuked the red sea and it became dry and he led them through the deep he saved them from the hand of their foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy word (laughs) who your mother okay so here we go remember redemption the whole story in the old testament is redemption the whole story in the new testament is redemption In the Old Testament, God is saying, hey, look what I did. I took you from slavery to freedom. You crossed through the Red Sea. I saved you. And how did God's people respond? Um, Verse 19, they made a calf and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their savior who had done great things in Egypt wondrous works in the land and awesome deeds by the red sea okay so here we go like he does this amazing thing and god's people forget like they they aren't so overwhelmed and consumed with this idea of what god did for them It says in verse 24, they despised the pleasant land and had no faith in God's promise. Verse 36, they served their idols, which became a snare to them. Verse 43, many times God delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he always remembered his covenant. Woo! Woo! So friends, this is a story of a God who saved, who redeemed. And even when God's chosen people worshipped other gods and chose other things before God, he still is coming full passion, full steam ahead with his steadfast love. He's still remembering his promise to his people even when they forget it. And he's still delivering them. He's still loving them. He's still hearing their cry. Like, he is still their God and loving them, even though they are forgetting and they are turning away. So when you look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 10, it's saying, man, this was a bummer. (laughs) It's saying God's people, even with all he did, they forgot. Like, They chose other things over God. And let's go back to what this is saying. It says, these things took place. Do you remember what it said? As examples for us that we may not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters. And remember that verse 14, flee from idolatry. All right, so that's what happened in the Old Testament. That is what Paul is talking about in First Corinthians 10. When you go to other places in the Bible where it talks about idolatry, I read through a study uh, with my church going through Colossians earlier in 2020. Uh, man, before coronavirus, whole different world. And in Colossians 3, verse 5 and 6 in Uh, The New Living Translation says, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. In ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible, that verse says, don't be covetous. Don't have covetousness, which is a hard word to say, which is probably why the NLT switched it to greedy. (laughs) But coveting, desiring things that you don't have. So... I was reading through all this. I'm seeing this in 1 Corinthians 10. I'm reading this story in Psalm 106. I'm reading these verses in Colossians 3 saying, okay, idolatry is a big deal. It's talked about. God tells me to flee from it. But practically, like, what does that look like in 2020 in my life? And I just couldn't shake that question because there was something about as I was reading this that I felt just my spirit saying, this is you. <laughs> Which, I mean, is not a great feeling. I'll be honest about that. But man, I just kept being drawn to this word of idolatry and that it was a big deal to God and that it should be a big deal to me. In a way, I think that I excluded myself from this conversation How did Taylor Swift say that? I would like to be excluded from this narrative. Whatever phrase Taylor Swift used. I just excluded myself from the narrative of idolatry because I go to church. Like, you picture idolatry as what you worship and bow down to at the front of the stage. I mean, even you even heard that as I read Psalm 106. Like, they forgot who God was and they bowed down to graven images. And it's like, you know what? I ain't got no graven images. My church has a cross at the front. Like, I think I'm good, you know? Like, and this is the thing that as I was reading these verses, as I'm looking at this, and then I started listening to sermons on idolatry, I essentially had this understanding and this learning that When God's talking about idolatry and he's giving this example in 1 Corinthians 10, idolatry is not so much about what's up on stage, like what's the thing you're physically worshiping and bowing down to. It's so much more about our desire, our heart, and our secret motivation that no one sees but God. If you love God, if you are going to church, if you're talking to your kids about Jesus, if you're serving, giving, and volunteering, if you're posting Bible verses on Instagram and you're doing a Bible study in your free time, this doesn't mean that idolatry isn't a problem for you. Because for the last 10 years, I was working in ministry, I was leading life group, I was uh, going to church, I was talking to unbelievers in my life about Jesus. But idolatry was literally the number one problem in my heart. Which after studying this, I now understand why my spirit kept drawing me to this word and saying, this is you. One of the sermons that really helped me start to take these Bible verses and kind of break it down and be like, all right, God, what does this mean? And what does this look like today? was a sermon by John Piper on idolatry. And he essentially said that idolatry can be defined as, number one, craving. I want something. And number two, pride. I have something and I'm proud of it. Uh, John Piper said this quote, We were made to find our greatest joy when God is our greatest treasure. When we read over and over about God being a jealous God and actually the first time that idolatry is really talked about, which is, you know, worshiping something other than God is in Exodus. And right after God talks about idolatry, he says the reason not to worship other things besides me, besides God, is because I'm jealous. I'm a jealous God. I get jealous when you are satisfied somewhere other than me. Now, that sounds a little intense. I don't know if this is true, which I should probably, you know, read before I just proclaim this on the microphone <laughs> on my podcast. <laughs> but I remember hearing this story once where, um, when Oprah was interviewed about like why she wasn't sure about the God of the Bible or like what turned her away from Christianity, she said, I heard someone say a Bible verse about God being jealous and I wanted nothing to do with a God that had such a negative emotion. And I think to a way we can all kind of be like, yeah, I know it's kind of weird. (laughs) Like if you think of describing one of your best friends and they're like, tell me about your best friend. And you're like, well, she just gets really jealous whenever I'm not with her. You're like, that doesn't sound great. (laughs) you might need a new friend. So it feels confusing as we're talking about idolatry that it's essentially like God wants all of our craving, all of our desire, and to be the only thing that we're proud of. And that when it's not, he gets jealous. So he made a rule about idolatry. We're like, whoa, Father God, that's intense. But here's the deal. This is how I keep thinking about it as I'm reading and studying idolatry. The best friend analogy feels weird, but I want to think about this as I would in a healthy marriage relationship. So I think about this with my relationship with Caleb. Um, if every time I had free time, let's say that like our son is in bed or my mom is watching him for the weekend and, and we have free time. If every time I had free time, I was like, babe, I got to go. I'm meeting with this friend. I'm in this hobby. I got to go here. If whenever we sat down to have dinner together, I was like, babe, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm in the middle of this book and it's really captivating me and I just like need more of it. And I, during our dinner, I'm reading this other book because I just need it. I wanna know, what does this say? If every time we had a date night, I was like, hey, babe, do you mind if I invite other friends because my friend Asherita is so freaking fun and I want her to come with us. Are you cool with that? Over time... If my husband's love for me was as true as he says it is, the boy would get jealous. Like, it would be like, Hannah, why don't you enjoy me? Like, why whenever we're alone do you need the book in front of you? Do you invite your friends? Why, whenever you have free time, are you running to the next thing and you're not just sitting and hanging out with me, with your husband? I am jealous for you, Hannah. That would be a beautiful version of jealousy because of his love for me he wants me to be satisfied with him he wants me to enjoy being with him and man this is the picture that i keep getting as i read about idolatry if other things satisfy us more than god god's not cool with it if other things satisfy us more than god We are the Israelites. We are the story in 1 Corinthians 10 who forgets what God has done and this redemption and this insane love that time after time after time he gives us, he chases after us, he pursues us with. Like, idolatry is not just the bowing down to a golden (laughs) ox, which is how I always pictured it in Sunday school in the Old Testament idolatry is an activity of your heart like it's what you crave it's what you want it's being satisfied by something more than you are god it's loving something more than you do god john piper in that sermon he said the phrase it's a disordered heart and then said a a quote that about knocked me off of my seat He said, holiness, so being essentially like God, like having this set apart life, like this life that is of God and pleasing to God. Holiness is not so much an avoidance issue. It's an affection issue. Word to your mother. Like, listen to that again. Holiness is not an avoidance issue as much as it is an affection issue. All right, Hannah, so what's the deal? Why is this a topic on the There's More podcast? Man, honestly, friends, when I look back on the past 10 years of my life before experiencing the more of God, there were so many times. There were so many January 1st. There were so many New Year's resolutions or time I'd be sitting in church that I'd be like, all right, God. I'm ready. I'm ready for more. Like, I want to spend more time with you. I want to want you more. Like, let's do it. But at the end of the day, my problem was idolatry. I had so many things that I wanted more than I wanted God. And I've talked about some of these before. Even my own achievements, my ministry work, My how people saw me, my wanting to be important, my wanting to do things that felt valuable, my own comfort and lifestyle and having a Pinterest worthy house and friends who were cool and good Instagram photos, uh, having hobbies I cared about and being a well-rounded human. Like there were, I loved God, but there were these other things that I found this satisfaction and craving and pride in, we're back to that quote where John Piper says, we were made to find our greatest joy when God is our greatest treasure. No, I was satisfied in so many other places. It was cool because as I've been learning this just over the last probably four to six weeks, I've been seeing the word idolatry come up so much. I've been seeing this as I've been reading the Bible. We've been working on um, a pretty big house project, uh, just something that's taking up a lot of my energy and time and money and planning and decisions with um, something we're working on. And it's funny because I'm studying this and I'm like, God, thank you so much for capturing me so much that you are now my greatest treasure. And I do crave you. Like, this is amazing and it's such a different way to live. And I just want to yell it on the mountaintop that, like, so many more of us have an idolatry problem than we know. And, like, asking God to show us that and change our desire and grow our desire for Him changes everything. Like, this is why God gives us such a warning. So, at the same time, I'm like excited about this, celebrating this while I'm working on this house project. And all of a sudden, I start to become really consumed with this house. <laughs> like I'm on Pinterest a lot and I'm thinking about it all day long and I'm as I'm laying in bed, I'm going back and forth on this decision I made about a color choice and it's funny because it doesn't feel like a big deal. It's just a house project. But all of a sudden, I'm watching it take over my thoughts, my meditations throughout the day. I mean, it it goes back to what I was saying. Idolatry is an activity of the human heart. It's what you crave. It's what you want. It's what you're satisfied by more than God. And here I am, you know, MC host, what what of the There's More podcast, myself watching a stupid project that doesn't even matter, all of a sudden fighting for my number one seat with God. This is idolatry. And man, it's like, God, I'm sorry for this. And will you help me with this? So why is this a big deal? This is a big deal because if we want more with God, If in any way, as you listen to this podcast, your prayer is, God, if there's more of you, I want it. I want to enjoy you more. I want to desire you more. I want to spend more time with you. I want to look forward to that. I want my life, my heart, my direction, my soul to be so intertwined and obsessed with you that it rocks my world which if you don't know, like, that's the whole reason I have this podcast is because that happened to me (laughs) and it's the best thing I've ever experienced. But if you're desiring that, but feel stuck, this is a huge piece of the pie. Like, it's a, there's a reason why Paul has this whole chapter titled Warning Against Idolatry and tells us to flee from idolatry. And in the Old Testament, story after story show God's chosen people choosing other things over him and God's frustration and disappointment in that. Sweet church of 2020, we do this today. And this isn't a message of shame. This isn't a message of guilt. This is an invitation to say, if you want more, if you're longing for wanting more of God, can you start with this dangerous question of, God, do I have a disordered heart? Do I have an issue of an idolatry where there is something or someone or some position or some status in my life that I desire and I work towards more than I do you? And uh, I do, I just confess this to you, like this, this is an ongoing thing for me of God. Naturally, my sinny, fleshy heart (laughs) wants things that aren't you, God. And it's this continual thing of God, I want you to be number one. Strip this from me, show this from me. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's painful, all right? And just as I'm recording this, like this is my prayer for you dear listener, that your excitement about the more, your pursuit of the more, when it calls for something hard, when it goes back to this verse in Galatians 2.20 of I have literally died to myself and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, it means that even when it's hard, even when it's a little prickly, a little uncomfortable, you don't love the, you know, (laughs) the feelings it's stirring up that you're willing to fight it because you're willing to push in and say like, God, whatever it is, I want you. I want you first. Show me where I have idolatry. Show me what that looks like to flee from it and instead pursue desire you. You know, sometimes there's these really fun podcast episodes that are like, the freedom of the gospel, or like, God doesn't need you to do anything. And then there's some that are a little more prickly, like, hey, have you considered that your career aspirations, or your beautiful home, or your hobbies, or your children may be idle? (laughs) So, you know, sorry about that. There's balance. All right, people? And... That's the beauty of the more with God, is he pursues you in the most beautiful, like want to write a book about it way. But then, man, there's hard pieces too to the more. There's essentially giving of your entire being and life. And I want to talk about both of those things here in an engaging, honest way through what the Bible says. So I hope that's what you felt today. And that was the vibe that you got Hey, I'm so glad you listened to the There's More podcast. Would you mind doing me a favor? Apparently, podcast reviews are a big thing, and I, I guess it would help if you left me one. <laughs> so if you listen on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you could just go on there and leave a review, you can leave one star if you don't like it. You can leave more, you know, like a five star if you do. And just leave a comment saying why you listen that's uh something that would really help just more listeners hear about that there's more podcasts not because i want them to hear me i want more people to know the more so if you could leave a podcast review that would be awesome uh hey friend have you heard do you know the news that where you are with god is awesome and i'm so glad that you know him and that you love him But friend, there's more for you to experience and to know in him. And I just, I want you to taste it, sweet friend, because there is more.